Welcome to Box to Box Football. All right, welcome to Box to Box Football today. Now, I got to leave uh, halfway into the show, but there wasn't a chance in hell I was missing this show. Might might be the greatest show that we've had in nine years because uh, we we got a lot of news to get to. What, what are we starting with first, Kyle? Well, we, we did, and you're, we're coming to you on Monday, so... Um, you probably just watched the FA Cup fourth round. There are a few replays that got to happen, but uh, it, it finished up uh, today with uh, Blackburn ending the Wrexham run, a 4-1 win uh, for Blackburn. Wrexham actually took the lead in that game uh, before four goals uh, uh, without reply from, from Blackburn. But really the big news of the weekend um, comes from Anfield, where Jurgen Klopp announced that he is not returning at the end of the year. This will be his last season, his his eighth and final season in charge of Liverpool. Uh, he, he, he came to Mer- Merseyside and he won a Premier League title. He's won a Champions League title. Uh, and he has Liverpool in possession, position to potentially win a quadruple this year. Um, it's going to be favorites against Chelsea in the Carabao Cup final. Uh, got into the fifth round of the, uh, the FA Cup this weekend. Uh, you know, in the last 16 of the... Europa League, and then uh, with a five-point lead to get over Manchester City at the top of the Premier League table as we get ready for match week 22. Uh, Stu, uh, just your thoughts on on this news. Did it come as a shock to you that Klopp decided that he is going to step down at the end of this season? Yeah, it was a shock, but it wasn't a surprise, if that makes sense. Like, obviously, it hit you like a ton of bricks. I woke up in the middle of the night. I saw it. I couldn't fall asleep for like an hour. I was on Twitter. Uh, you know, first I was like, oh, this is definitely fake. And I'm, oh, this isn't fake. It's coming from the official Liverpool Twitter account, uh, X account. And, and it was just one of those things where I'm just like, okay, it, it was obviously shocking. Like at the start of the season, if you go back to the uh, preview episodes that we did, I believe JJ was the one who asked me if I thought that uh, this could be the last season for Klopp. And I thought it could. Honestly, going into the season, I thought it could. Now, the way they've played and how good they've been this season uh, I thought he'd stick around another two years and play out through the rest of his contract, but that wasn't the case. So, I mean, of course, I, I, w- I was stunned like everyone else, but in the end, like, I knew this wasn't going to be another 10-year run. Like, we're not going to get the, the 30 years like Sir Alex. We're, we're, we're never going to see that again. So, you know, it, it's obviously a tough pill to swallow, but at the same time, I wasn't totally, totally, like, surprised by it, J.J., well, despite the Schadenfreude coming from some sections of the uh, the room here, I Stu, I'm actually a little disappointed for you because I mean, at the end of the day, if you actually look at the track record, Jurgen Klopp won every competition bar the Europa League that he has entered. I mean, there are very few managers in the English game or really anywhere around the world that have actually done that. <laughs> and basically rectified your club from the dead. Now, the question you said, I posed a question to you back at the beginning of the season. I posed a question to you now. Where do you rank Jurgen Klopp in the, uh, the the long history of Liverpool? Because obviously you have Bill Shankly, you have King yeah. Kenny, you have many managers, but again, yeah. none of those managers won literally every competition that they ever had been in. Obviously, Bill Shankly won a number of you know first division titles, King Kenny was the guy that basically, again, resurrected the club at a time that they needed it. But where does Jurgen fit? I mean, obviously, look, I'm not going to lie. Like, I wasn't obviously alive for a lot of that. It's tough for me to put him above those guys only because they did so with, again, more league titles. Now, again, the clock finished second a bunch of times, finished 
a point behind Man City twice. And again, Man City, there's question marks surrounding, you know, Man City themselves. It's just that's that's just how it is. But in the end, look, he has one title. Maybe he'll have two when this is done. It, it's hard for me to rank him above those guys just because there wasn't that sheer dominance. Like, yes, he won everything, but he also won everything one time. So for me, especially as someone who is more new to the sport and who is on the younger side, I'm sure there would be some that could answer it maybe better than I could if they're, you know, in their 40s, 50s, 60s. Uh, but for me, I think he would probably rank final three of those guys. Uh, but in the end, still obviously a great manager. A couple of things. First of all, eight years in a job is like an eternity in modern football. Now, to, to spend that long um, and where managers are hired to be fired um, and to build a, a culture there that he did. And, and he's somebody, to me, who also revolutionized the way we look at the modern game with the, the, the gig impressing and, and the way, um, you know, he's, he's gone about um, cultivating uh, what happened at Liverpool and how many other clubs or, or managers have looked at what he's done and maybe tried to emulate some of that um, in, in the way they, they set their teams up, and, and not only from the professional level, but on, on down into the, to the youth ranks all around the world. Yeah, he has. And it's, it's honestly like us. I fell in love with the team itself, but also Klopp and the style they played. Like, you know, I watched some of these other teams and they don't play with that same ferocity. They don't play with the press. They play back. Like to me, that's not fun to watch. Uh, Klopp just kind of, I saw that team and I was like, wow, this is great. Like they're, they're running, they're running 90 minutes. They're pressing for, you know, 60, 70, 80 minutes of those 90 minutes. And they're just all over the place. It's a high power attack. It's like rock and roll. So yeah, it's definitely something that for me definitely stood out when I started following this club and following the sport as a whole. So, yeah, it's it's going to be tough to replace him. It, it's it's going to be very interesting, that's for sure. Does his this announcement? What does this do for the Liverpool players for Liverpool's quest to to try and win the title? Does it does it make this? Let's do it for Klopp. Yeah, I mean, I I've said I I think Man City is going to win the league. I still think City wins the league, but I think it's close. I, I think this at least improves their chances this season of, of winning the league. I, we'll see. It's going to be interesting to see what happens, but I, I think they're going to be motivated for Klopp. I think they'll definitely win a trophy. Now, whether it's the Premier League, that's a great question, but I, I definitely do think they win at least a trophy out of this. Uh, they have a really good chance, especially the Carabao Cup. I mean, I, I would like their chances, like you mentioned before, Kyle. Uh, we'll see, though. I, I I hope they come away with something, a trophy or two, because uh, it, it would just be great for him and just to kind of end on a, a strong note rather than a sour note. Sean, do you want to give the Manchester United supporter view of Jurgen Klopp? Yeah, I mean, you know, he changed the team around, uh, you know, one, one, you know, one Premier League title. You know, they hadn't won one in forever. Yeah, look, I mean... You know, the United fans are celebrating because, I mean, he, look, I, you know, whatever you think, I mean, you know, the ownership of the team, you know, it's not Todd Bowley. They're not out there, you know, splashing the cash. I mean, there, there, there's times when, you know, their fans, especially during that Super League, were riding and, you know, not as much as the Glazers, but, you know, they, there's been some talk about, you know, the finances there and they're, you know, being a little bit tight with it. And Klopp has worked wonders with the team over the, over the eight years and really kind of, uh, you know, sometimes on, on a little bit tighter budgets. So, you know, 
the next guy that comes in, you know, be it Xavi Alonso, you know, who everyone thinks is going to be or whoever comes in, you know, it's not, look, it's not just preordained that this next person is going to come in and have the same success with this team. This team is going to start rolling, you know, Salah is going to be gone and some of these other things. And it's just not, it's, you know, you don't know, you just don't know what's going to happen after, you know, an elite manager leaves and, you know, he's going to have his own, you know, he might go to, you know, the Barca job is open. The the Bayern job could be open because Tuchel is talking about coming to Spain and all these other places. The Germany job could be open depending on how they do at the Euros. You know, I think a lot of people are talking about him going to Germany. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of job openings. Manchester City job could be open after they get relegated to the MLS. You know, the, the Arsenal job, you know, there's been a lot of speculation this weekend that the Arsenal job could be open because maybe Arteta is going to Barcelona. So um, there's going to be a lot of turnover. And just, you know, I just think the the fans that are anti, you know, Manchester United and City fans, um, you know, it's, it's good because I don't know that the next person is going to come in and do as well. It's very hard to come in after someone that has had a lot of success and, um, you know, succeed. I, I, as a Manchester United fan, I could tell you that. What the, yes, I, you, you would know after the, the Sir Alex Ferguson retirement and, and what do they say? You don't want to be the, the guy who, who follows no. the guy. You want to be the guy who follows the guy who got fired following the guy. Um, although I do want to point out, Klopp did say that he would not manage in England again. Uh, he would not manage another club in England uh, except for Liverpool. I don't think this is a retirement for him. No. Um, he, he certainly didn't make it seem that way. It seems more like a like a break. Um, it, it does bring up an interesting point, though, and, and Sean mentioned it, is who the next Liverpool manager will be. Um, obviously, Xavi Alonso, uh, the for, former Liverpool player. He's got Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, right in the title race in, in the Bundesliga, trying to break Bayern Munich's stranglehold on on that title. Uh, he he is obviously the odds-on favorite right now from wherever you you want to look, guys. JJ Stu, if you want to jump in here, uh, who who should replace Klopp at Liverpool? Um, that's a great question. I mean, it's it's one of those where. If you're the ownership group, and that should also be a big question mark, is who is actually going to be the ownership, the part of the ownership group that's going to be calling the shots come this summer if you're Liverpool, it, because there's always been that reports that Fenway Sports Group is looking to sell part, if not whole. You don't rush this decision at all. You figure out what exactly you want from this profile. And I mean, you're going to have to do it quickly. Obviously it would be rude to do it before the end of the season, because that's going to leave another cloud over the entirety of the organization. And as we've already spoken about the fact that, you know, you kind of have this rah, rah for the Gibber do one for, for Klopp, try to win a couple of trophies, but at the same time, if you want to keep at least some sort of a part of this nucleus, that's been around for a bit, you do need to strike quickly. So I wish I could have an answer and we could also find out that there could be another three or four managers that could be very much open let's just say this though there's going to be no shortage of applicants liverpool will just have to choose the right one roy hodgson <laughs> no, oh, no I, I don't think it's going to be going to be roy Stu, who, who who's your man for the liverpool job i think it's got to be shabby alonso and I, I think you know i've talked to some people i i think it will be i, I would actually be pretty surprised at this point if if it's not him Look, it's not perfect. Like, 
there are question marks, right? Like he doesn't have the same amount of experience that Klopp did. Like Klopp spent a bunch of years at Mines, a bunch of years at Dortmund, who is a very, very good club, not the level of Liverpool, but a very, you know, that second tier of clubs. He was got Dortmund for, to a Champions I mean, League final. Yeah. So obviously, like, you know, Shabby comes would come in and not have that experience. Um, style is very different, right? Like he plays, you know, three, four, two, one. You know, narrow, short passes, while Klopp is obviously more of a wide-open game. So the question is, like, how do some players fit? So there's obviously not a perfect fit, but I, I do think he should be the guy. I, I think, you know, the fact he has, you know, he played for Liverpool, had success as a player there. Um, so he kind of knows what that aspect is like. And then he's had a, a good amount of manager experience. If not him, like, I think Deserby would be good too. Like, I, I, I love his style, I think. You know, his style would fit kind of like a glove, which would be great. But in the end, he's managing Brighton, which is not Liverpool. So to me, there isn't a perfect choice. But yeah, as long as it's not Steven Gerrard or as Sean uh, suggested, Roy Hodgson, <laughs> I think I'll be pretty happy. Um, by the way, it, this is this is setting up perfectly for Liverpool Bayer Leverkusen final in the Europa League, isn't it? Where, yeah. where they're going to play each other in that that final game. And make by by the way, uh, food for thought. If the U.S. were to crash out of the group stage in the in the Copa America, would you throw a bag at Jurgen Klopp? I mean, you could try, but he's not taking that job. I mean, he's got Bayern Munich written all over him. I mean, Bayern or, or the German job. I mean, he he'll. I I just think he'll go back home. I mean, you I mean, could try. All, I mean, I was just thinking, like, yeah, you know, you're hosting 2026. It's not a it's not a long. It wouldn't be a long term commitment. It would be the like other a, job that's open that he might thing. take. Brazil, you know, the Brazil job is open. That would be. By the way, I just want to, I just want to throw this in there. You you uh, pitch the old Leverkusen Liverpool Europa League final. The final the the Europa League is in Dublin, Ireland. Name me a place that's deeper roots in Liverpool outside of the United Kingdom. That's going to be a home game for Liverpool. It's it's the stars are like aligning. Here. Yeah. And uh-huh. Sean, also, you said relegate City to MLS. Let's do them an actual favor. Let's put them in the Northwest Counties Football League Division One South, where they go up against Main Road, which kind of actually takes the old part of uh, Manchester City. So let you'll, if we're going to kill them off, let's just do it the right way. All right, I by the way, let's... Yeah, I'm just, uh, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of managerial openings after this year. I think there's going to, you know, you know, this, this stuff with Arteta, it's a lot, you know, I know people have said no, but like it came out from a lot of different places. It came from, you know, Spain, which is interesting. So uh, FA Cup fifth round, by the way, Liverpool 5-2 over Norwich. So Liverpool is through uh, and will actually, <laughs> and will host the uh, the fifth round tie uh, against either Watford or Southampton. They're going to replay. JJ, I promise you're going to get to talk about Maidstone United in a minute. Uh, but I've Sean got other games a, to talk about as well. <laughs> but uh, because I know Sean's on a tight time schedule. Uh, Manchester United, uh, a, a 4-2 victory over Newport County. Uh, United went ahead 2-0, looked like it was going to cruise. Newport comes back, uh, gets a goal before halftime, gets an equalizer right after halftime. Actually, a, a really nicely worked goal from them. And then, United does go on to score. Total. It feels like this Ten Hag thing is like Ten Hag out. Ten Hag can stay, and it depends. And it depends on whether United scored the goal or conceded. Yeah, people kind of look. I, if if Garnacho squares a couple balls in the first half, for the, the the if he you know it's two nothing after thirteen minutes, 
And then they just, everybody just wants to get a goal. Shot, shot, shot. If he squares a couple of balls, it's it's five or six nil at half. I mean, legitimately five nil at halftime. The goal they scored is a fluke. You know, I think it was going wide. It bounced up the head. It was a good hit, but, you know, whatever. It bounced up, you know, hit the guy's head and deflected. The problem I have is if you watch enough Manchester United games, when they come out after the after the halftime, they're not ready to play. They give up goals in the Tottenham game. Like that goal they gave up was just not acceptable. They weren't ready after the break, which is a problem for me because what's he doing at halftime? What is he saying? Is he put? You know, I know he's Dutch. Maybe he's bringing some Amsterdam weed back or something, smoking in the locker. Like I don't know what they're doing. To me, that's a problem. You know, I think fundamentally like you know sometimes he makes changes in the in the in the squad like he'll he'll make subs and it's just like not the right one or like you'll say like like everybody watching can see like look this guy needs to come off or this and he'll just not make the right decision or something like this so look he's going to be gone uh at the end of the year if if they don't make the Champions League, which they're not, they're not making top four. Um, you know, if he doesn't win a, you know, I, I would say, you know, if he wins an FA Cup, it's not even Van Hall won an FA Cup and they got rid of him. These guys, you know, when new people come in, they want their own people. So, you know, he'll stay. I mean, I, you know, I don't know what else they'll do unless they figure out, like, look, we got to get, you know, if they want, I don't know, Zidane or if they want, you know, Grand Potter, they want somebody and somebody else is going to be trying to get them or something like this. You know, maybe they have to strike to get them. Somebody was talking about Deserby, but you know, I, I I don't actually think he would be a good fit for, for Liverpool or United. I, I don't, you know, he hasn't really won anything yet. Like, let's see what he does. You know, let's see what he does in the Europa League. And he's a little bit too emotional and stuff like that. So you know, if they if there's a manager they want, go get him. But he's he's not he's not gonna be there. Um, they just they're not. What they, they're not playing? There's too many discipline the, problems. What's the goal for Manchester United for the rest I of mean, this year? Now, right the, now, the, now the, the fifth round, look, the, the FA Cup fifth round the tie is on Cup. the. It's on yeah. the road. It's going to be against either Nottingham Forest or Bristol City once the they complete that replay. Um, you. Can they get into the top four? Is it championship no. qualification on the table here? Can they? Can no, they, they can't. There? I mean, they, they could. I mean, look, they're not going to be. You know, all these other teams ahead of them are going to be playing on, you know, West Ham and Aston Villa and Brighton. They're uh, eleven points back. Of and Liverpool points. are going to be playing on Thursdays and Sundays for the rest of the season because those teams are all probably going to go deep. You know, Aston Villa is going to walk through that conference, but they're going to have to play those games. So you're still going to have to rotate. Liverpool's going to have to rotate at some point because the Europa League's tough. Brighton's going to have to rotate because the Europa League's tough. West Ham's going to have to rotate. You know, United's going to, you know, have fresh players. They they finally got Lisandro Martinez back. I thought that was big. You know, they they're starting to get players back. So I mean, they could, but you know, they pro- they're they're not going. I don't think they're going to. But look, I mean, you know, if you if you go and you win five matches in a row. Then all of a sudden you're you know you're four points back going into going into March into the international break or something like this, and then you can kind of regroup while all these other teams are playing on Sunday, you know Thursday Sunday, and you're you're fresh. You're playing one match a week. You could, I mean, a hundred percent they could. I just don't think they're good enough, and I just don't think like you know Ten Hag doesn't want to. 
know, he's got Ahmad. He doesn't want to play him. He's got, you know, Rashford, who the hell knows what's going on. That guy wants to go out and do what he wants to do. I mean, I, I don't want to talk about it on here because I know what's going on with him. But, like, they could. If they're, they have enough talent to do it, well, I just don't think they will because I don't think Ten Hag is, is – you know, I don't know that they're playing for him. All right, JJ, FA Cup fourth round tie. Maidstone United two, Ipswich Town one. Here's the here were the fascinating stats for this game. Ipswich outshot Maidstone 38 to 2. Maidstone had just 21% of the possession, but it's not how many shots you have, it's what you do with them. And Maidstone scores on both of its attempts on goal. Um a huge uh, upset. Ipswich is second in the championship. Maidstone in the sixth tier, the lowest ranked team remaining. Um, and as a reward in the fifth round, though, Maidstone is not going to get a Premier League team. In fact, it's going to get a road trip to either Sheffield Wednesday or Coventry City, who, whomever comes out of that replay. Um, but, J.J., obviously a great accomplishment for, for Maidstone to be into the last 16 of the FA Cup. Yeah, last 16 of the FA Cup. They're the lowest or the first team since uh, ni- uh, 1978. We've had a team from outside the top five tiers reach the round of 16. That was Blythe Spartans. This match had exactly what you needed for a cup upset to happen. You need a lot of luck going your way. You need a hot goalkeeper to come up and make six or seven big saves as Lucas Cavanari was unbelievable. And the man just kept getting better and better and better as the day went on. This is a guy that, you know, he's kind of like many of the players on this Maidstone roster where they kind of scrapped their way through non-leagues. I believe he came over from Brazil at a, you know, kind of late on in terms of like the development of his career. And then he's been bouncing around non-league national league, league two setup, but he had his moments. Um, And then when Maidstone had the opportunity to press or play long, they did and they executed. And that's really what this competition looks for. It looks for the opportunities to pounce and make the most of your chances and also make the least amount of mistakes. So <laughs> credit to Maidstone. I mean, they came in with a game plan. George Elakobi, who's been there, done it all as the manager, he would have set them up and they went out and executed. You look on the opposite side from Ipswich Town and I was having a sidebar with Mike uh, who couldn't be here tonight, but it was saying that like Ipswich, it seems over the last month or so that they've lost a lot of steam and a large portion of that could be done with George Hurst picking up a hamstring injury. Don't really know when he's going to be back in full fitness. They haven't figured out that target striker. Nathan Broadhead is solid, but he's not a out and out target striker Uh, they just brought in a player from Wimbledon today who was just finishing up at the AFC uh, Asian Cup so he'll be coming in Al Hamadi who's a really decent winger Um, but yeah it's it's one of those things where Ipswich if they want to reignite their season they need to start waking up and getting back to the style of football that Kieran McKenna wants. And that's being proactive. That's every pass played with a purpose and not just thinking that you can wait around and wait around. Oh, if we go a goal down. Yeah, sure. We've taken nearly the most amount of points in the championship from losing positions, go out and win matches. But the day wasn't about them. It's about Maidstone United. Mm -hmm. And I know for all of us uh, who, who love seeing underdogs, we come from the country that supports the underdog as America at one point were. That's a little history lesson for you. Um, but yeah, this is just, it, it's one of those moments that 
you cherish, you appreciate. And yeah, who says they can't go on and, and win another match? Why, why not at this point? Uh, here are the five matches that are going to a replay. Southampton and Watford, Coventry, Sheffield Wednesday, Plymouth, Argyle, Leeds United, Nottingham Forest, Bristol City, and Aston Villa, Chelsea. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and actually the one, sorry, so I'll let you go in a second. The one that was the most surprising actually out of all these was the Watford Southampton one because Southampton had a 21 match unbeaten streak coming in Watford take the early lead. They should have had three. And then Stuart Armstrong levels it with one that it looked like Dan Backman and goal was a little bit off sighted. That's not a replay that Watford wants to be making back to the South coast. And that could have been a real surprising one. Yeah, and you talk about the Chelsea Villa match. That that first leg, that was kind of Chelsea's chance, right? You got Villa away from home. Uh, they're playing, you know, a couple of days after they advanced to the Carabao Cup final, so they actually have that, you know, energy that they, you know, want to try to keep that momentum. Um, and they just weren't able to get a goal, so now they have to go to Villa Park. And as we know, Villa at Villa Park is a tough. That that's going to be tough. Now I know Villa has other. You know, like they want to finish top four. They want to, they they want to win the conference league. Like they have other aspirations, but at the same time, like Villa's going to be pretty tough for Chelsea to be down the road in that second that that replay. And here are the uh, the fifth round ties that are confirmed. Leicester City is going to go to Bournemouth. Uh, Manchester City is going to go to Luton Town. Luton a two one winner over Everton. Newcastle beat Fulham 2-0. They'll play Blackburn. Blackburn ended the Wrexham run this afternoon with a 4-1 win. Uh, Brighton is going to go to Wolves. Wolves 2-0 over West Brom. That game was marred by crowd trouble. Um, every every other tie is still to be determined. JJ, final thoughts on the FA Cup? Um, Bournemouth were unreal, by the way, in their performance nil, against yeah. Swansea City. I mean, they, they looked like the team that were playing beautiful football at the back half of last season. And what five goals in the first half? Solanke, Brooks, Sinistera, um, Scott, and Kelly. They look like they could have gone for 10. And probably you'd have thought it was the same performance. That they, that for me was probably the best 90 minute shift that we've seen in a while. And Sheffield United, what's going on over there? Like stadium less than half full. It's a cup, it's a home cup quarterfinal, or excuse me, home cup fourth round tie. Yes, it's against another Premier League opposition, but if this is the attitude that the fans have, and maybe I might be out of line here, but show up in a cup tie, you can be excused if you have to go down to Brighton, but Brighton credit and credit actually to the Sheffield players who, despite going down two, they found a way to rally and get it level at halftime, but Brighton were ruthless in that match yeah and i wonder if that's just the, the reality of the situation setting in it at sheffield right if you look at and i know it's the fa cup but if you look at in the premier league they're last place they're seven points adrift of uh even getting out of the drop zone and i i wonder if that's you know you know the apathy sets in right that's what happens when you lose people don't show up right you, you got to win to get the the crowd out and i i just wonder if it has they look at that side and they just see if they not stupid like they see a team that's just not very good yeah i mean but then again cups can change seasons or at least give you a little hope for something so by what you're saying and what we saw in the field uh sheffield have already resigned to the fact that in late january unless they pull out of a miracle at the end of the transfer deadline they're gonna finish in 20th 
uh, match day 22 in the Premier League, guys. Uh, maybe not the most appealing set of matches, uh, but we are going to get a Carabao Cup final preview. Chelsea's going to go to Anfield and play Liverpool. Uh, you know, that's that, that's a game that certainly stands out. Uh, but, you know, other other than that, it's it, it's one of those things, though, where the teams have th- this week who are at the top have to take care of business, right? Arsenal's got to go to Nottingham Forest and take care of business. Um, you know, Man City's got Burnley at home. You would expect them uh, to, to handle relegation threatened Burnley. Aston Villa's got Newcastle at home. Newcastle's really been struggling in the league. Has lost four of five. Aston Villa trying to, in the top four right now, uh, trying to, to keep contact uh, with the top of the, uh, the the top of the Premier League where Liverpool's got the lead. Um, that That's what this week is is about for me is it's those top teams uh you know they have to take care of business tottenham's got brentford at home and a london derby uh west ham's got bournemouth at home um that's the storyline for me this week guys anything stick out to you about match week 22 yeah it's kind of similar right like if i'm gonna go and pick all 10 of these matches like it's pretty cut and dry like i feel like I feel like I have a pretty good grasp, which probably means I don't have good grasp and there'll be some upsets in there. Like there always are. Um, yeah. I mean, like, like, like Luton and Brighton, for example, like it's not going to be easy for Brighton, like go, like going there, going to Kennelsworth road. It's always, that's always trouble. Um, Villa Newcastle. We saw match week one, really two different sides. It's been four or five months and, Boy, it's two sides that are now going in completely different directions of that of that uh, match from match week one. Villa at home, you have to think they're going to kind of want to make a statement there. Uh, Tottenham against Brentford, I, I kind of like how Brentford played in their their last uh, Premier League match. They looked pretty good, and then you know Tottenham, they're still you know they got to get Son back, they got to get Basuma back. That's going to be something for them. And then Liverpool Chelsea again, we saw that's another match week one replay if you will, which was a, which was a draw at Chelsea. So you would think it'd be a little different in Anfield and just kind of get you excited for that Carabao cup uh, at the end of February. But, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting week. I, I do like the midweek soccer cause it just gives you a little something else to look forward to uh, <laughs> during the work day, but, but yeah, it'll be fun. And then the games, they come back, they're back in the weekend. So these, these teams are going to be playing a lot of games coming up. So we're going to see rotated squads and we're going to see, you know, Obviously, like I just said, squads getting guys back from AFCON and the Asian Cup, guys bringing back guys from injury that we haven't seen in a few weeks, a few months. So it's going to be really interesting. I think to even to piggyback a bit further on that, I'm fascinated to watch the handful of Premier League teams that did not play in the FA Cup this weekend and who's going to stand out. So you talk about that Brentford match, right? So they played well in their last match, got a result against Forrest. They're playing a Tottenham team that were absolutely run ragged for 90 minutes, penned in their own half against City, nearly got a replay out of that, but end up losing. That's going to be a very demoralized team. If you're Brentford right now, you're looking at this as an opportunity to take points to try and get you away from that drop zone. If you're Luton, you come from behind, you, and this is a team that obviously played, but uh, the second part it would be teams that are trying to build off momentum, especially in the bottom half teams to, you know, carry from this weekend. If you're Luton, Stu, you talk about it's always a tough place to play, Kenilworth Road. If I'm Luton, I'm looking at this as let's get after Brighton early, 
a team that may have had an opportunity to rest a few players, knowing that Sheffield United weren't going to throw up the biggest fight. It ended up being a little bit of one, but Luton coming off of a, it's not a uh, relegation six point win, but it's a potential throwing a dart to lead to one later for momentum purposes as they beat Everton. So you never know there. You're mighty Fulham who unfortunately Kyle were on the wrong end of it against Newcastle. They got a tough one against Everton who, so like all of a sudden you, you got these teams that are basing off momentum. Crystal palace didn't play on the weekend. They need points to kind of solidify something. Um, yeah, this is. I think there's a bit more fascination to this week in terms of those little mini battles. Yeah, you don't have the top sixes going against each other. They don't have a, a pure relegation six-pointer. But come Thursday, you could have some teams that you almost might say, we may be closer to safety or we might have some teams that are like, let's try and make that push now for Europe. Look, you mentioned it, Fulham-Everton, right? Fulham's lost four or five. Now it feels, and it's felt like with this team, it's it's one step forward, two steps back. Like every time you think you might get a little momentum going, uh, maybe string some some good results together, um, it, it just doesn't happen. It's followed by a poor, poor performance. Fulham was really poor against Newcastle uh, in the FA Cup. They were coming up. Look, they poured a lot into that Carabao Cup semifinal against Liverpool. Went behind in that game. Uh, were able to get back into the game uh, in the second half. Tied it at one. They, re- I mean, they went for it. They went for it to try and get the second goal to force the extra time. It just didn't happen. Um, I know I wasn't, uh, I wasn't here for the show right after, but it was very on brand for both of those teams for Liverpool to find a way through that tie and for Fulham to huff and puff and uh, and have moments of uh, of a really good football um, for it to just come up short in the end. Um, but yeah, look, you look at that and, and Fulham twenty four points, Everton's on seventeen. It's, seven point gap and and you have a chance there to really extend that right like i again i've said from the beginning i don't think fulham's going to get sucked into that relegation scrap because they're going to have just enough to, to stay above it um and this is an opportunity for that um where where you go out and you beat everton you get three points and you kind of extend that a little bit and you feel a little bit better about yourself um I know before we wrap up, um, you know, you, you guys kind of hit on it. Um, AFCON and the Asian Cup are both going on right now. Um, both, like, look, if, if you get a chance to watch these things, and I know J- JJ's probably been watching them more than, than Stuart and I, but, like, there's some crazy stuff that happens, some, like, wildly entertaining games that are going on. By the way, Egypt sacrificed a cow before its uh, round of 16 game <laughs> to try and bring good luck. Like, come on, guys. Uh, it did not work, by the way, because Egypt – Went out on penalties 8-7 against the Democratic Republic of Congo. Um, there's two matches tomorrow in that um, to, to get the final quarterfinal uh, participants in there. Um, JJ, uh, you mentioned it today in the group chat in the, in, the Asian, in the Asian Cup. Iraq took a lead against Jordan and then had a player set off for over-celebrating the goal um, with 14 minutes still to play. And they ended up conceding two stoppage time goals to lose 3-2. Um, Take take us through what you're watching in these tournaments that are often delightful that sometimes we don't get a chance to to see because we have so much going on. Yeah, I will hit on the Asian Cup bit first, and then Stu, I'm going to ask you to cut the bit for the Afcon because I've got a lot of things to say about that. But um, yeah, the <laughs> scenes this morning, and again, the uh, Asian Cup is being played in Qatar right now, and that Iraq Jordan match was just strange where Jordan who've been a little bit of a surprise package in this competition ranked 87th went out to a lead right before halftime Iraq I mean this 
this country in terms of the football landscape, and I'm only going to speak about the football landscape here, have been one of these sleeping giants in the international stage. Remember back in the uh, Athens Olympics in 2004, where they had this plucky group of 21, 22-year-old players that end up meddling in that competition. You thought, oh, this could be a golden generation they kind of go away, but now all of a sudden they've got this new phase coming in and it led by um, Ayman Hussein, who is one of the leaders. In fact, the goal scoring leader in this competition with six goals, he gets a six goal to make it two one. He had already picked up a yellow card right at the end of the first half. He then goes on a elongated celebration run. And this at the, let me get this right here, the Khalifa International Stadium, which was one of the stadiums that was used in the World Cup, does have sort of a running track around it that's covered. So he elects to do basically the third leg of the four by 100 meter sprint to go celebrate by his fans, comes back onto the field, which he had previously jumped over the advertising hoarding, comes back on, plops down, and for those in America will understand this reference, pulls a less miles and starts eating the grass. (laughs) <laughs> Therefore, your name goes in book. Oh, that's his second. He's off. And Jordan says, well, thank you very much. Scored twice. 90 plus five, 90 plus seven. Thanks for coming, Iraq. You're out. And they're on to the round of eight. There's another great story in this competition. Not Australia. They were comfortable in their win and probably played some of the best soccer that they've played in a while. First time participant. Tajikistan. Never have played in a major continental tournament in the entirety of their soccer history, ranked 106th in the world, get through the group stage, knock out the United Arab Emirates in penalties, and they're moving on. Again, we're talking about a team that has little to no football history, but yet here they are. So they're going to be joining the likes of Australia, like... um, Qatar, the hosts, we still have Saudi Arabia versus South Korea coming up, which is a huge battle. And the winner of that one gets Australia in the next round in the quarterfinals. So, yeah, you've got some interesting things here. Now. Now, <laughs> Afcon, I mean, the, 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 the AFCON <sighs> tournament is like oh. one of the <sighs> just wildest tournaments that you ever get a chance to see it like there's just crazy stuff happening in every single game um jj take it away the tournament of chaos has been delivering chaos and it is so beautiful to watch just in the knockout matches alone (laughs) um we we first had a couple of big Big guns going up against each other. Nigeria, who barely survived getting knocked out in the group stage by the skin of their teeth, knock out Cameroon by two goals to none, where um, Lukman gets goals in the 36th and 90th minute. So good to see Nigeria, who again had been on a rough patch over the last few cycles, not qualifying for the World Cup. That will be one that kind of spurs them a lot of it. Equatorial Guinea. Yes, that small, small country who went perfect in the group stage. Nigeria and Ivory Coast were in their, you know, in their pocket. We got them. Lose in the round of 16 to Guinea, not to be confused with Equatorial Guinea. Then, Kyle, you referenced the Egypt match. Egypt, who did lose Mo Salah due to a hamstring injury, but still you figure it's Egypt. They should take care of uh, DR Congo. Nope. We go to the goalies. 
and Congo wins that one by eight goals to seven. Um, just scenes. And that's what you kind of love about this competition because it's not only the quality of football on the field, but it's also the quality in the stands as well, which is unreal. And thankfully it's going to be kept going because the Ivory Coast, Cote d'Ivoire, who were also uh, right on the fired, heels of getting- Didn't they fire the manager? Didn't they fire the manager after the group stage of a competition they were yet to be eliminated in? I mean- this tournament throws up some crazy things, but yeah, they, um, they were on the precipice of getting knocked down. They went behind after four minutes, but Kessier gets a goal, which I should also say, by the way, that VAR sometimes is there for a good thing because some of the refereeing has been shocking and VAR needs to intervene because there's been a few penalties that are you're like, Hmm, these should be called as, um, yeah, as the Ivory coast gets through and then wins on penalty. But, uh, our favorites of the tournament, Cabo Verde, Cape yo, Verde yo, Islands. Yo, shout out Philadelphia Union legend Jamiro Montero is on that. Yeah. Team. Hey, uh, seven points in the group stage. They get through against Mauritania where Ryan Mendez gets a goal uh, two minutes to go from time in penalties on Tuesday. Uh, the big one is Morocco versus South Africa. South Africa are actually turning the page back a little bit from their days of Shabalala and those guys doing their thing in the World Cup. Did I just cop myself a South Africa road jersey? You bet I did. So if you like chaos, the AFCON is the tournament for you. Scene. Get JJ some water there. Um, yeah, that was that was great. Um, yeah, thanks. Uh, I guess uh, that's that's a wrap here for for box to box football. Um, thanks for joining us. You guys know how to find us. Hit the bell, like, and subscribe. Good show today. We talked Jurgen Klopp, FA Cup, Premier League. We hit on the AFCON and the and the Asian Cup and the wildness that comes with all of that. Um, and we'll talk to you guys uh, Thursday after some midweek action. We'll look ahead to the to the weekend as well and in, in match week twenty three uh, in the Premier League. So long for now.